welcome to the lockdown edition of the podcast. Today we chat about what positives we might take from time at home over the next three weeks. Welcome to the podcast Heroes of Futurism with me, Jonathan Cherry. This podcast is about the future and how to create it, what opportunities exist, what ideas are worth thinking about, and how you can begin to design the future that you want. Let's start right now. Welcome to... Jeez, we haven't done one of these for a long time. I think it's our first one being married. Oh, we married now, yes. The cherries. Is that the last time we did one? We were not even married. I think so. Sure, and that seems like a... It's been a long time. So this is, yeah, our last podcast, we got married. Uh, been on honeymoon. Yep. In Norway, which was very nice. And now it's 2020. A new decade. And what an interesting start to the new decade. So we thought we would focus this first episode of the new decade um, on the positives of the time that we are in. So, John, do you want to just kind of create the landscape, create the context of where we are right now? Yeah, so it is now the end of March. What is the date today? The 29th of March, I think. Um, Yeah, it is day three of the South African lockdown because of the uh, coronavirus, COVID-19, which is spreading around the world. Um, Yeah, and I guess it's, it's an interesting time because for 21 days, we're now forced to stay at home. There's no ways that we can go out or do anything that um, would have been normal. Um, Now everyone's forced to stay at home. You're allowed to go to the shops once a day. And that's about it. Mm -hmm. Um, No walking your dog, which seemed to be the one thing that most South Africans were concerned about. Yeah. So I guess a lot of people are taking this in in very different ways. Um, Some people are taking it as an opportunity. A lot of people are struggling. Um, But yeah, I guess what I, I thought would be a good idea is for us to just focus on what are the positives of this whole experience. Because I think, as in all things in life, it depends on what what point of view you take with um, with anything. Um, so, yeah, some positives to come out of this whole thing. Cool. So, obviously, the one and the most obvious and first positive is that we can uh, flatten the curve and flatten the amount of uh, people getting infected and flatten, you know, it's slow down the spread of the disease, placing less impact on healthcare workers and um, the infrastructure of our country, which has quite a diverse, uh, you know, there's a lot of diversity in terms of the different types of people, the different cultures, the different um what everyone is exposed to is so different. Uh, so I think that it'll be, that's like the number one positive through doing this. Mm. Um, and I think a lot of countries in Europe and uh, in America, obviously as well, um, they didn't take such a drastic measure quite so early on and um, they're in a very different situation. So our president acting as quickly as he did has led us to, to really kind of get a slight, you know, advantage on it Mm. so the theory is that if you shut the economy down um the impact of the pandemic will be less than if you didn't sure i mean that's the theory yeah that's what we are led to believe yeah um yeah so that makes sense and i guess countries that have done it they've seen the benefits of it uh you were saying that actually you're more busy now than you ever have been 
before? Yeah, so my the company that I work for um, actually reacted pretty quickly. We were all working from home within three days. They organized 3G cards for those people that don't have um, Wi-Fi at home. And in South Africa, again, because of the diversity of the people in our nation, not everyone has got Wi-Fi. I'm sure if American people or European people are listening to this, they'll be like, what? <laughs> Who uses 3G cards? Um, but yeah, in South Africa, it's still necessary for us. And yeah, I've been in meetings. I think I've seen my teams more now than when I was, you know, kind of 10 meters away from them. And we are really in planning and strategy mode. So um, we're doing a lot of research at the moment so that as soon as we can present the research uh, to the teams in terms of trends, innovation, sustainability. Um, yeah, we're really using this time to to do that. It was the right time in our diary um, as well. So it is the time when we usually do present these kinds of things. So yeah, I guess just having a bit of time to to really focus on that. And then, uh, yeah, there's just we're just strategizing um, mm. kind of our comeback story. And we were saying what was quite interesting is because you're working remotely now, even though we live in the city and where you work is in the suburbs, so you yeah. travel against traffic. Yeah. Uh, you're saving at least an hour, hour and a half every single day half, in sure. traveling. Um, yeah, just in travel time. I mean, that's not even look taking into account the planning of the wardrobe and the <laughs> makeup and the getting ready. Right. So if I don't even count that, but Which just, usually takes another hour. Yeah, well, yeah. we get ready kind of together in the morning, so you know, it's just a bit of faffing and chatting and whatever. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, in travel time, an hour and a half. So it's about forty to forty-five minutes there and back again against traffic. So it's not sitting in gridlock mm. but yeah just the first day i was ready at half past seven to kind of start start with meetings and only to realize sure actually my first meeting's only at nine so yeah um it's been interesting it's a bit of a killer for culture i do find um mm. i've asked everyone to zoom in or um microsoft teams in with the, with their video on when we have our team meetings just because i think it's important for us to see each other um but in a lot of like the bigger forum meetings we don't have to yeah. you know, uh, zoom in with your face. Um, but yeah, it's been interesting. But in a three week lockdown, three week, three working week lockdown, that's 21 hours. It's nearly a full day that you are now getting back just by not sitting in traffic. Yeah. So Absolutely. I guess that's one of the positives is that people are getting time. I suppose people that have children, they are now getting a lot of opportunity to spend time with their children. Look, I think yes and no. I think it's difficult as well. So yes, Weekends, I think you get to spend a lot of time with your kids. I know that for some of the people on my team and speaking to my sister, sisters, it's tricky. You know, it's tricky to work from home when you have one to three kids, you mm. know, uh, that don't understand that you aren't at home to be with them, that they can't just ask you questions if you're on a Skype call or something, you know. So I think it is tricky. I think it's about... But but we innovate, you know, my one sister said her and her husband take four day, uh, four hours on, four hours off, and they've negotiated, or her husband is freelance, and she's negotiated with her um, a line manager, and they are fine with that. They also are parents, so I think they understand, you know, um, and my sister said, you know, for her, she doesn't get effective when she works one hour on, one hour off, so for her to just really soak in for four hours, and then she taps out and she's with her daughter for four hours, because obviously they don't have anyone to help and support them during this time. And mm. um, there's no play dates, there's no crash or school or nannies that, you know, so, so I think parents are struggling, but to the same extent, I think if I have five bucks for every time 
I heard someone say, I just wish I had more time with my kids, you know, mm. or I wish I could work one day a week from home, you know, and now we've got this time. Um, yeah, which I is guess great. that's one of the positives is that all businesses now are forced to experiment with the remote working. Mm. Um, so now there's less of an excuse to say, well, you know, remote working doesn't work for our business. Now there really is an opportunity to say to your staff, well, listen, take one day and work from home. Um, and let's experiment with it. Let's see like, if the productivity that we were able to unlock during lockdown, we can carry on when it, it's business as normal. Sure. I think also if I look at just you and I, and obviously our, our situation is that we are just the two of us. We have a little cat. We live in the city. So we don't have kids uh, yet. And for us, um, there's been so many positives. You know, we're a newly married couple. It's usually either one of us is traveling or, you know, out at conferences or working, you know, even if it's a local trip, we've really actually had time together, which is really like, I see that as such a positive because yeah, often it's getting home late, eating, you know, just showering and kind of getting into bed, not always the time for dialogue. So I guess it's just been really nice to really connect Mm. uh, with you and for us to connect. And Mm. I know everyone is saying we doing all these things that we always wished we had to. I mean, we cleaned our windows. I say we, Jonathan, cleaned our windows, which is my idea, but Jonathan (laughs) executed. But we cleaned our windows and we realized that we've actually never cleaned the outside of the apartment's windows since we've lived here. Mm. Um, And, yeah, just small things, you know, small things to, I guess, help pass the time, Mm. but also small things that we're doing together in building a home together. But I think that's the weird thing um, for me as well, because even though we are newly married and we, you know, obviously had, uh, we were together for two years before getting married and we spend a lot of time together, but even though we spend a lot of time together, both of our schedules are full. And now that those schedules are completely clear, it's like you're forced to spend quality time together. Mm. And I can't even imagine what that must be like for a family. Because if you have children, the kids are on play dates, there are people Mm. coming over. Now a family is really, you know, in a situation where they are forced to talk to each other and to spend time with each other and connect and cook and create together. Right. So I'm really interested to know what the effects of that are. Because I don't think, well, you know, I speak for myself, but I I really do think that there's so much busyness that happens in life. It's, you kind of assume that you're spending quality time with other people, but you're not really. It's mm. There's so many distractions. Mm. Now those distractions are almost magically taken away and you just, <laughs> you're confronted with your family and building relationships. Mm, mm. Yeah, totally. I mean, I look at some of my friends. I've got a friend in the UK, Kirsten, and she was building a robot with her kids, you know. In the UK, they're under much longer lockdown. Uh, so a lot of the parents have started homeschooling their kids so that their kids don't fall behind in curricula. Although her kids are just small, you've also got to keep them stimulated, right? And you don't want to always just put them in front of the TV. Mm. Um, and it's been amazing, the art that has been coming out of these kids and, you know, the conversations and... Yeah, it's really amazing. I know one of my sisters uh, cooks quite a lot and her and her little one have been cooking every day. They've been making biscuits and making cinnamon rolls and all kinds of things, you know, and I think there's amazing creativity that uh, you could tap into with your kids. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I don't know, I guess modern life puts you in almost like an automatic pilot and you just have a schedule that you, you don't have a question, you just run it. Mm. Um, Now that the schedule is broken, 
um, all of those activities come to an end and you're forced to be creative uh, to create new things within the constraints that you're now forced into. Sure. Um, which I guess as an innovator or as two creative people, that's, I guess, where creativity comes from. Uh, again, the disclaimer is that we aren't sitting at home with one or two kids, you know, trying to keep them entertained or trying to juggle schedules. So obviously our experience is different and right. we are aware of that. I guess on our side, what we have been enjoying, well, what I've been enjoying is cooking. Um, obviously, uh, for us, there are no restaurants open and there is no Uber Eats or Mr. Delivery. So really having to rely on cooking for yourself. We also don't have a microwave, so there are no microwave meals. Um so for us, it really has been about opening up the millions of recipe books that we've got or me messaging my mom and saying, please, won't you send me that recipe for tomato soup? And we've really been experimenting with making things that we wouldn't usually make, mm. trying new recipes, trying new flavor combinations. And I've really been enjoying that. Well, now that we know that you're a fairly decent cook, you're kind of... <laughs> We're not too reliant on your on yeah. Jonathan's skills. So now we know for future <laughs> reference, it's like, well, actually you can cook. So let's tap into that. Um, well, yeah. <laughs> Look, I think the other thing is living in the city. We live in a very busy part of um, the city and <laughs> it's just been amazing that there's no traffic. Yeah. Um, because... You know, slept till half past seven this morning. It's crazy. <laughs> and usually we're woken up by alarms and Church emergency vehicles <laughs> and all sorts of things like careering up the road on which we live. Uh, but now for the first time ever, we've opened some of the windows in the flat. Like they've never been opened. It's yeah. just, <laughs> you can hear birds. We found out that there's a rooster that lives over <laughs> the road. It's, uh, but we it's, never ever hear we never hear this rooster because of traffic. Yeah, and now we are. Um, yeah, we we find out we've uh, that we've got a rooster neighbor that yeah. lives around the corner. So I think that's been really interesting for me. Just those the experience having a different experience of the city. Yeah. And actually, funnily enough, seeing the city in a different way, uh, the other day we had to walk to the shop to go and buy some essentials. And just the walk down the road, I don't know, for some reason I saw houses I've never seen before. The view looked different. Mm. It's just so odd, you know. Yeah. That's just, I mean, it's a major change that happened. Now, you're not trying to not get killed by walking <laughs> on the road either by you know a we car saw squirrels or, in the road yeah, that exactly. weren't killed yeah. <laughs> that were running around but i guess the positive of that is that the levels of pollution not just uh carbon dioxide pollution but noise pollution sure. and it's a real positivity in exactly so the city just feels calm it feels much quieter understandably we live in a leafy part of cape town um, i'm not sure what it's like in other parts of cape town but where we stay it's very nice yeah um, and i guess also a positive is to see the way that uh people well my experience is the way that people seem to be pulling together we've got someone that's a bit older in our block and we've all offered to do shopping for her although i think she's desperate to get to the shops because she just wants a bit of change of scenery um but yeah and, and just to see you know a friend of mine said they're going to make pizzas for everyone in their complex and i just thought that was great you know so i think everyone really 
doing their bits. You know, we no longer have a janitor at our block, so we are all taking out our own uh, dustbins to put in the bigger dustbins because our refuse services are still working. So everyone just pulling together, you know, whereas I'm seeing neighbors that I've never seen, you know, whereas before everyone just put their rubbish in the communal bins in the quad area and they magically just got taken you know so i guess mm. people taking responsibility for their waste people are take, taking responsibility for their for themselves and for their their lifestyle so mm. it just really seems for me that seems quite positive um i was picturing kind of like a apocalyptic uh kind of rubbish dump with birds kind of circling around and cats that were becoming radioactive and everyone really is kind of stepping up and taking responsibility which is the it, it is what you would expect but sometimes don't know what to expect you know you're not sure how people are going to show up yeah but it's social cohesion but it's not just i guess people uh this morning there was an ad where all the major retailers yeah. are uh, you know woolies spa pick and pay shop right checkers they've produced a an ad i think it was in the sunday times where they were kind of saying that they'll serve the nation together you know yeah. rather as competitors and i think that's what it's all about is that in times of crisis people do pull together because mm. you're forced to rely on one another because the the old structures have now fallen away and yeah, I guess that's great for social cohesion, which I think in a country like South Africa is so important. Yeah. Uh, because people tend to be a little bit selfish um, sure. because we're in a system which is quite unequal. So, But now all of a sudden there's a lot of equality because it doesn't matter who you are, you can get sick. Everyone And everyone's going through lockdown. So right. everyone is experiencing this together. Exactly. Like when we were washing the windows, uh, the people that were walking past were kind of laughing at us because... <laughs> You know, here's two of us on a rickety ladder trying to wash windows. And I guess that's, it, again, it's something that you don't, don't normally see. Um, sure. Yeah. So I think that's a positive thing, especially in South Africa. Social cohesion. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it's that break, the break in the, you know, people are just on automatic pilot. They just do what they did yesterday. And do what they need to do in order to survive. Right. That but, day or that week. Right. But now you are. You know, all of that is off the table. The, yeah. the automatic stuff is now gone. So you can innovate. You can be creative in the space. Mm. And when people, I guess, are forced to be creative, then it's amazing what new ideas and new stuff comes from it. Mm. So, yeah, I think that's a big one for me. And hopefully, like, when we do go back to normal, which we will, that uh, spirit of creativity and that spirit of giving yourself permission to do something different it continues sure i think again you know we had a water crisis a year and two years ago kind of uh in cape town where we um kind of approached dangerously approached day zero which would be the day when cape town had would have no water um and once you've lived through that, it's very difficult to take a bath afterwards. Well, for me, let me speak for myself. You know, it's difficult to not have a bucket in the shower and it's difficult to not just let a tap run. You know, you, it's, it, once you've lived through it, it's very difficult to, to pretend that you haven't lived through it. So I think that what we are going through right now will... It can't be undone, not for the, at least 10 years. People are going to remember this. They're going to remember mm. uh, this decade or the start of this decade. They're going to remember 
you know, making their own bread or, you know, going to stores and, and making sure you're buying enough just for that week because or that day or whatever, however you're shopping. Um, so, yeah, I think people are, are not people. Let me speak for myself. I, I don't think I could continue with my lifestyle the way that it was without remembering what I've been through through this. Mm. Whether there are, and there are a lot of positives, there's also a lot of panic and there's a lot of fear that is brought up through reading social media and reading everyone's posts and reading the media. So you, it's like that balance, you know, of being informed and being aware and not just spreading fake news on a million WhatsApps, uh, but also knowing when to just break from that and knowing, okay, now it's time just for us as a family to mm. to relate to each other and to create and to, whether it's creating food, whether it's creating a vision of the future or whatever it is. Yeah, I think you're 100% right there. And one of the most interesting things is um, for myself as someone who works in the space of helping organizations shift from where they are to where they want to be is that in many cases, to get a group of people to shift from what they know into the unknown, which even if you paint it as a positive place that they're moving towards, it's very difficult to get people to change their behavior. That's why change management and change management consultants make such a lot of money because they help organizations shift. But the fascinating thing is, is that when people are put in a situation where they're forced to be different, um, it's amazing how quickly people do adapt. Mm. So this pandemic thing has been, you know, Everyone's thinking that Bill Gates predicted this pandemic, which is absolute nonsense. Bill Gates is just talking about something which many think tanks and many governments have been fearing for decades. Uh, we all know that uh, an influenza epidemic has been on the cards and it's been like a real worry. And I guess Bill Gates working in the philanthropic area that he does, it's something that he's been watching. And I guess the TED talk that he spoke uh, or the, the TED talk that he gave was really just a, a storied version of what the think tanks have been putting out. Uh, but it's easy to run a scenario of a pandemic situation sure. as a group of intellectuals. And you go, oh, well, here are the scenarios. And it's easy to run one scenario, right? Yeah. It's about running a few different scenarios. Right. That's where the, the, the real meat in scenario planning comes. Yeah, so exactly. So now you run the couple of scenarios, but I don't think anyone would have been able to see what the lived experience of sure. a pandemic is. The fear, the opportunity, the social cohesion. I don't think those things were in a scenario planning workshop. So it's just, yeah, as you say, once you've had the experience of it, once the knowledge has now been embedded in your emotional psychology, mm. it's very difficult to go back to the way things were. Yeah. Um, and I, in so many ways, I think that's what the positive is, is that we talk a lot about climate change. We talk a lot about the dangers of globalization, but now we have an experience of what unhinged globalization really feels like. Sure. What would unhinged climate change feel like? And it would feel like this, if not worse. So I guess when, you know, that Greta Thunberg now talks about the fact that we need to wake up and we need to make a change. I guess now people might listen a little bit more carefully because we have this experience. They've been through the crisis. Yeah. I think also, um, so obviously part of our landscape and our context and our story for Jonathan and I is that whilst we are very well traveled, we are South Africans living in South Africa. Um, and while you were speaking, it made me think of 
that it's going to be very interesting to see how South Africans respond to this. So I think what gives us a slightly upper hand on many first world countries is that like the hustle is real in South Africa, you know, and Africa, like people are used to struggle. (laughs) We are not used to a completely proficient healthcare system that, you know, you can walk in and walk out within an hour. You know, we are, we are used to electricity cuts, water cuts, uh, threats of, of running out of and scarcity, should I say. Um, so, so I guess there is a resilience in the South African people that I'd be very interested to see how, how, they take this and are able to innovate and change and and grow through it. I think what makes it difficult is we obviously have a very fragile um, economy. We have a resilient brand, but a fragile economy and a huge disparity between the rich and the poor. So, um, you know, the, the rich are able to donate a billion rand to the government to help, you know, fight um, COVID and the poor are living on on kind of, $1 a day, $2 a day, you know, so there's a huge disparity and, um, and the infrastructure as well for, for, for those kind of differing communities is, is totally unequal. So I think that that is something that really is, is going to be tricky because if we do go in, well, we are in a recession, but, but depending on how the com- the country can, can kind of, uh, bounce back from this will obviously be what the narrative that the people will adopt. But I, I am grateful to be in South Africa at the moment. And, and I'm not sure if I've always said that, but I think that we are a very resilient nation. And it will be very interesting to see the comedy that comes out of this, the products that are innovated throughout, uh, you know, uh, very simple innovations. I'm not talking huge fintech innovation or huge tech innovation. I'm talking like rudimentary, simple innovations that everyone can adopt and buy into. So I guess I'm a little bit excited to see that part of South Africa coming to life. Yeah. And I think that's a good point because the reality is that South Africa, the economy was shit before this. Yeah. The economy was on its knees before that. And I know people are talking about the fact that the Edgar's CEO, uh, Grant Patterson, yeah. you know, gave a very emotionally charged interview on 702 with Bruce Whitfield. And people are, you know, they're feeling the pain of a, a big CEO realizing that his business is on on its knees. Tender hooks, yeah. But the business was on its knees before this. Yeah. And uh, they're one of the best crowdsourcing or fund sourcing uh, companies in Africa. <laughs> yeah. So I think they'll be okay. You know, they'll either yeah. get a government bailout or they'll find more money. They're, they'll be okay. But also, you know, the, com- the businesses that are not okay, they weren't okay before. Mm. Um, so now it, you're forced to innovate. You're mm. forced to pivot. You're forced to do something different. And maybe this is a blessing in disguise because we were kind of fooling ourselves that everything was okay. South Africa was fooling itself that a 1% GDP growth was okay considering our population growth. It's not okay. Mm. Um, We're in a world of hurt. We were in a world of hurt. Hopefully what happens is that we are just confronted with the reality and this pandemic and the lockdown forces us to say, well, we just cannot continue like this any longer. Mm. It's... um, it's it's untenable. You've got to do something a little bit different. Innovation that comes out. We've got to find new ways of doing things. And I guess also looking at the opportunity for South Africa's uh, demographic dividend to to start 
opening up here. You know, we are in a good space uh, where we do have enough young, able people to work. Yeah, we do. But unfortunately, they don't have the skills to make yeah. that contribution. So that's the unfortunate thing, speaking about a demographic dividend, is that you can only achieve the dividend if people can find work skilled. and they can contribute to an economy. And the way things are right now, that is not happening. So Okay, but back to the positives. What can, what can we tell those people? What would a positive be that they could take out of this situation? Well, I think a major positive is that... Free courses? Yeah. Well, I think there's so many different things. Uh, I've just finished reading a book, the late, the last book written by Clayton Christensen called The uh, Prosperity Paradox. And his argument is that if you want an economy to take off, it's not about putting aid money into an economy. It's not about putting money into an education system that clearly is not delivering the results that are required. What his argument is, is that if you create market-creating innovations um, that actually pull in uh, development into an economy and that allow people to access work in an economy that didn't exist before. Um, like what Uber did. Yeah, I like what Uber did because you just think oh, of Uber Eats. Uber Eats. You think of all of the people that are now employed because of Uber Eats. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying Uber Eats is the the best thing on earth, but no. if you look at it as it an innovation, a market. it created a market that didn't exist or before. Or unlocked a market because we did have food delivery systems, but it made that so much more accessible. It democratized. Yeah. So it democratized the access of people to be a freelance delivery person thanks to Uber Eats. Mm -hmm. But the argument in this book is that if you serve the unserved, so you look at anything, you look at transportation. So transportation in South Africa or Africa is really reserved for the people who are the well-heeled. If you're a poor person living in South Africa, you're left to using taxis or, you know, God forbid, our train system. If you could come up with an innovation that gives access uh, for efficient, safe, clean transport for those people. That would fundamentally change the South African economy. Mm. Uh, so it's those kind of ideas. I don't, I don't propose that I have a solution for that. No, no, but sure. if there was a way that you could solve that problem, that is an innovation that would change South Africa forever. Mm. Um, so it's those kind of things. And the examples that they give are the examples that we all know, like the M-Pesas in Kenya, uh, but also the stuff that we don't necessarily know about. Like there's an example of a company that sells almost two-minute noodles in Nigeria. And Nigeria was never a noodle-eating country. But the success of this product in Nigeria has fundamentally changed Nigeria. Mm. Um, the company has grown. Uh, people obviously now have access to quick, easy nutrition uh, and it's just a great case study in how an innovation has changed. And life. again, not a fintech, not a massive tech company, not talking about a driverless car. We're just talking about a two-minute noodle. It's right. pretty simple. Exactly. So he does go into some detail about uh, Celtel, which was created by Mo Ibrahim, which was the first uh, major telecoms, uh, cellular telecoms company in Africa. So there is that kind of technology angle to it. But yes, you know. The majority yeah. of them are simple. Yeah. The innovation, like as simple as that. 
So, you know... Tomatoes, you were speaking about also tomatoes into Nigeria. So Nigeria is probably some of the richest farmland in the world, but they don't have a farming culture. So again, there's an innovation where an organization is pioneering the growing of tomatoes in Nigeria. Uh, which I just find so fascinating. Um, and actually, this noodle company that I was talking about, they didn't say, well, you know, there's not efficient transport in Nigeria, so we can't grow. They actually took it upon themselves to build roads and mm. to build rail and to deepen the ports in mm. Lagos. Um, so it's just a great example of how um, development isn't the thing that should happen first. Mm. Often what happen, needs to happen is that the innovation happens first and development follows as mm. a result. And I think that's just, and once again, it's about challenging perceptions and challenging assumptions. And I think we all assume that an economy can only grow if there is aid money or government money sure. to create the structures. And the, the argument of this book is the other way around. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So. We've rambled on a bit. Uh, okay, so I think we've only really just touched on a few points, but I think there are lots of positives that could come out of this, but yeah. it is about... Please post comments. Tell us what your, you think your, your experience is of the positives that you're feeling. We don't feel like a million negatives because it's very easy to find the negatives right now, um, and that's not the intention of today's episode. Um, we're not trying to, you know, kind of poke huge gaping holes at... at it's easy to find to find a negative. We just, yeah, we'd like to hear your experience of what are some of the positives are that you're experiencing. Right. Okay, so hopefully we will be back again soon. We won't leave it as long as we did. Um, <laughs> but we had to get married. Yeah, we had to get married and go on honeymoon and all that kind of stuff. So I think the break was well deserved. Yeah, but we're back, and we know you guys are at home. So yeah, don't so you've got nothing better to do. <laughs> so subscribe, tell your friends. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> all right. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Heroes of Futurism. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider subscribing and we'll see you next time. Cheers.